Welcome to 239 Uncensored. Everything Southwest Florida and beyond with your host, Tim Jurett. This podcast covers it all. Real talk on issues from real estate to real crime. Join the discussion on hot topics to politics. Don't get left behind. Be in the know about everything Southwest Florida and beyond. Welcome, welcome, welcome to 239 Uncensored Everything Southwest Florida and beyond. And we have a very, very interesting podcast with the lovely Shannon Livingston. And Shannon's going to bring a, a, a good section to this, I guess. Is that how we'd say it? A good piece from maybe like the civilian side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and a mother side. And a mother side. No, you got, you got a lot of yeah. information. I have a lot you know, of questions. Yeah. What we're going to talk about today is, as we all know, in Oxford, uh, high school in Michigan, mm-hmm. there was a terrible school shooting where four children died mm-hmm. and seven other people injured, including a teacher. And we're going to talk about it. Are our kids safe in schools today? Cause I, I think there was some things that, that fell down and we'll talk about this. I mean, I think this is a great topic for it, it the is. podcast. And you know, two, three, nine uncensored, we do two, three, nine and beyond, but I do have a personal connection to this case as do other people um, in the area. And I think that we are an example in the 239 and uh, in Florida with our recent legislation, but particularly in Collier County, we are an example of what should be done. And unfortunately, what did not happen in this situation. From what we know, from what we know, this, this young kid, 15 year old, his name is Ethan mm-hmm. Crumbly, right? I don't really even care to say his, say name. his name, but he is a child and he is Mentally and, and, we'll, and we'll talk about that. The kid's got problems and he was screaming for help. And we'll talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that as well. So he goes into the school after many warnings and we'll get into those as well. He goes into the school. He basically screams, I need help. Mm-hmm. He let people know that administrators know parents knew he goes in, he gets sent back to class. He goes to the restroom with his backpack, comes out with the firearm and commences to shooting other students yes it's just a a horrible horrible situation how does it get to that point i mean as a parent when you sent your son to school and i sent my two daughters to school Mm -hmm. knowing kind of how this transpired how does that make you feel well it it's horrifying to even hear that your kid is doing a, a shooter you know a live shooter drill at school, we did tornado drills. Yeah. And, you know, we would get under our desk or in the hall and, and put our hands over our head like that was going to help. But um, that's the most that we did. We did fire drills and tornado drills. So the fact that we're even putting this into kids' heads, um, that this is a possibility for them and that they have to live with this now, it is very foreign to me and uh, very disappointing and, and scary. So, you know, I only got the drill side of of this. Nothing had ever happened to my son, but I did see a change. Um, you know, he graduated in 2013. And so certainly Columbine had happened and, uh, some, you know, other mass shootings and you just don't ever think it's going to happen to you or anybody that you know. And then this happened. And I, I did know this, uh, you know, a a girl that, that I know I'm friends of the family was a senior at that school. And so to see it all unfold on a personal level 
And as a mother, as you said, to really ask questions about what happened. How, how was this kid let down, first of all? Uh, you know, I know that he did something heinous and awful, and, and that's terrible. I'm not trying to dismiss that or minimize that. Um, but he did need help, and, and he didn't get it. And he was let down by, I believe, the administration and his parents and anyone else that, you know, that came his way. Um, he had very intrusive thoughts and apparently very obsessive thoughts, and that was not taken seriously. Instead, the parents encouraged him to have a handgun, which he did not need, was not, um, you know, properly trained to, to use. And in this part of the, the state uh, or part of the country, they hunt. So, you know, my friend that attends that school, she has been deer hunting with her father. So has her younger brother. They have been taught to be around guns responsibly. Neither one of them has a handgun. You know, so, so there's an issue there for me as a responsible gun owner of why did the kid even have the handgun in the first place. So the parents obviously were not responsible. Yeah. And, just and, to begin with. Yeah, no, just, I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg, right? Yeah. But to come with it, I believe they bought the gun about three or four days prior and they bought it as a gift to him yes. as an early Christmas gift. And basically, and this was after, like you said, the school had already contacted them. Yeah, there were signs and, and, and talked right yeah. and talked about these behavioral issues. And so it wasn't like, oh, well, we just didn't know, we didn't, you know, see anything. They were told, they were flat out told that he was having these problems. Yeah, a concerning thing too is that morning, that morning before the shooting, a teacher walked up and saw that he was, you know, doodling, drawing, and, and things like that, and he basically said. Um, the thoughts won't stop. Help yes. me. Oh. Help me. Isn't that sickening so, to hear about now? Yeah, this kid's drawing these things, and they basically intervened briefly because they, they took him down to the office. They talked to him administratively, and at that point, there was a decision to let him go back to class. His parents wouldn't take him home. Right. And I just got to tell you a little bit. I've got quite a bit of experience in law enforcement, 31 years. A majority of my time was spent working in the schools. Mm -hmm. I'd say probably half of my career. I was the deputy at Naples High School. I also came back as a commander and a captain of the whole division. So I've got a chance to see a lot of these things. And as you mentioned, 2001 Columbine, mm -hmm. um, that incident happened. So it kind of changed the way we did things in policing. But not enough. And not very, uh, not right off the bat. We had discussed. It took a while yeah, it, for it those changes. And so at that time, um, they what secured the perimeter, you were telling me, that that used to be the approach to these mass shootings in schools. Yeah, so what they would do initially was back when we had a thought process in law enforcement, like, hey, there's a shooter in the school, they would secure the perimeter, making sure these, these people didn't come out and shoot up other people. Meanwhile, while they were securing the perimeter, the shooters were on a body count mission. They mm -hmm. were they were killing people within the school. Right. Because they're not negotiating for something else like a typical hostage situation. Right. It's they're a, in there to do damage. Right. They go in there with the intention. And, of course, uh, Klebold and Harris, when they did uh, Columbine, they had a little plan that didn't quite go as well as they wanted. They, had, they brought propane tanks in, mm. and they thought the propane tanks were going to drop the the ceiling and the, the main beams in the cafeteria and the, and the cafeteria was going to collapse. And as the students were going to come out of the school, they were going to gun them down there. When those propane tanks did not detonate, 
they went ahead into the school and started shooting. The first three or four teachers that saw them thought they were just doing a, uh, it was like a play or mm -hmm. some sort of acting class that was going on at the school because their mind did not really equate it to actual guns and right. violence and things like that. So basically that, you know, in Columbine, what they did was they locked down. Now we have a response. And, and, and I will tell you that Lee County Sheriff's Office, Collier County Sheriff's Office, we have a response that the SRO or the first deputy in the proximity immediately goes to the shooter. They try to identify where the shooter is and immediately go to the shooter. Mm -hmm. So basically that, that SRO or that school resource officer, we call them youth relations deputy in Collier County, their mission, number one priority is to stop the threat. Which would probably mean sacrificing themselves. In some cases, yeah, absolutely. You're walking towards somebody that is firing and try to, to distract them long enough to let other people yeah. get by. And you had said something interesting, too, about Florida being different because they did pass legislation requiring a uh, student resource officer in every school. Yeah, Parkland uh, killings on February 14th, 2018, mm -hmm. uh, Majory Stone and Douglas, uh, at the high school, they had... 14 kids get killed. There are actually 17 students and then a, a few teachers as well. But 17 people got killed in that incident. And they went back and looked at the video and the shooter had ample time to continue while the SRO was outside waiting. And, and there's, you know, lawsuits and claims yeah. right now. But while he was outside waiting, listening to the gunfire and he failed to go in and failed to act. And, you know, that's just a, a major thing. Like you said, there's a, a good possibility that that SRO or school resource officer is going to probably take gunfire and possibly not survive. But even we discussed that when we train those SROs, we mentally do our best to prepare them to say, listen, this is what your mission is. You, you've got to go in there and you've got to stop the threat. But So how do you staff enough of those officers? We already have issues with law enforcement. Uh, you know, it's a high burnout rate and, and all of that. So having enough officers, now we have legislation requiring that we have all of these officers in schools. How do you recruit for that? How do you train for that? Are you taking people out of retirement, taking people off of street patrol? How does that work? Yeah, all the above, right? So a lot of times people want to come down to Florida. They might not want to work that patrol late night patrol shift. Mm -hmm. So what we're trying to do is, and when I was there, we, we take people that were coming from other parts of the country and say, Hey, I used to be an SRO back there, back mm -hmm. North, or I did it once before. I'd love to join the agency. I don't really want to be in a patrol car necessarily. Not that they're not good officers, but they're the shift might not work for them. It's so, a grind. Yeah. So we're, so we're bringing those folks in and, and also within the agency, we, uh, if you spend enough time in patrol, there's a certain period where you're, you know, five or six years, you're like, I'd like to switch over and be an SRO because it's it's a desirable spot, knowing, though, that you could be the person. Right. So yeah. we definitely have mentally prepared our SROs over the years, our YRDs, um, to be able to do this type of thing. We, we do a training every year. I was involved in that. I also do um, school resource officer training for the Office of the Attorney General for the state of Florida. Mm -hmm. And my very first thing that I tell those folks that are going to be working in the schools is we tell them, say, listen, this is what you've got to mentally prepare for. If there's gunfire and you've got any questions of whether or not you're going to be able to do it, this job probably is not going to be for you. 
So we we tell them, hey, this is this is what could happen. Yeah, because I always think of that as being a, a cushy, not a lot of responsibility job. but And that's true day to day until all of a sudden you have a situation and you are running toward gunfire or whatever whatever is, you know, demanded of you. Yeah. Hopefully you're running it, towards doing your job. Yeah, it was looked at as kind of like officer friendly, right? You know, because I think when it first started before Columbine, we, we know there were some mass school shootings, but not to the level where they are now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sad, really. This this one hit the news with four students killed. But if there's two or three students killed or a teacher killed, a lot of times it doesn't even reach the news. Oh, my god! It's just terrible to think that we're, we've come to that point in the country today. Well, you know, I graduated in 1991. Uh, oh, quite really? A, quite a few years ago. And we had an officer, but, you know, he was there for, like, us skipping school. I mean, that we didn't even think that he was there to protect us or mitigate some type of a crisis situation or uh, certainly a live gunfire or anything like that. I mean, we, we just really didn't think that way. I started at, in 1993 at Naples High School, and I was there until 97. Mm-hmm. So I was their deputy. I worked a little bit in Immokalee, worked a little bit at Everglades what, City. What was the mindset in 93 when you went well, in? I was will, it the same now, or was it like I'm saying but that what I thought it was, like skipping school? Yeah, as we as we learn as an SRO, a lot of it we actually were, were teaching in the classrooms back then. We were doing, you know, maybe 25% was teaching. What um, the heck were you teaching? Yeah, I go into law studies and, you know, you know, teach kid kids about, you know, the, the negatives that could happen when you get stopped by the police and, mm-hmm. you know, make sure you put your hands on the wheel. Don't be jumping up and down, getting all silly. But <laughs> no, we, we teach them, we teach them, you know, those type of things. But, and then also we taught, we taught them gun safety. I used to go in the classroom and teach gun safety, things like that. Really? Um, I, was I can't a, imagine I was a, that in most states. I was a dare instructor, which I enjoyed that a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I really did a lot of those, those classes, but it, a lot of, probably half my time was actually in the classroom and fostering a relationship with kids wasn't so much security. Now the roles have kind of changed where you're there on campus. And a lot of these SROs are to secure the campus Mm -hmm. from threats that come. And a lot of times people don't understand there's a lot of threats that come. You might have a a father um, that's mad at the school that could be coming on. You might have a a school teacher that's there that, you know, a husband has made threats that they're going to come on campus. Right. You have students on campus um, that are a threat and that can be a problem. But I will tell you, we, we did get guns. I, when I was in the high school, we had kids that brought weapons to school. We did find a gun at school when I worked at Naples high. Um, the one thing I will tell you and, and the folks that live in Lee and Collier County in the two, three, nine and, and somewhat beyond in the state of Florida, we have some laws that have really, really helped, I believe, but I know our school superintendent Camel Patton and I know Sheriff Rambosk and all the leadership at the Collier County Sheriff's Office, and I know Sheriff Marcino operates the same way. If we have a potential threat, mm-hmm. and the school school board meeting at Oxford, Michigan, they just had a meeting the other night, any type of threats will be taken seriously. A little right. bit too late, right? Oh, my gosh. You know, yeah. if there's any type of threat, any inkling, doesn't matter if it's 10 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night, 1 in the morning, everything, full attention, everything comes to a standstill and we expend all resources necessary and exhaust that threat to all, all potential. So for instance, if a kid says, I heard on the bus that a kid's going to bring a school, a gun to school the next day, we will actually, if we aren't able to identify that student, we will actually ride the bus Mm -hmm. with the kids to school 
for their safety. We'll have several deputies there on campus. We'll actually, if we are able to determine a kid's or student's name or a parent, whoever the threat may be, we'll go right to them and we'll track down where they live. Do they have weapons? Uh, such this case, the very first thing they probably should have done is brought that kid and separated him from any other student in the school, went to his house, talked to his parents, found out, find out, does he have access to any weapons? Right. But they, what, what are the parents' rights? Because it, it struck me reading about these parents that they're kind of anti-establishment. And that is part of the problem here is I think they, they neglected to, to really look at the seriousness of what was going on with their child because they were just so caught up in being anti-establishment. So if these parents are not going to invite an officer into their home when they knock on the door... What are those parents' rights and what can the officer do to make sure that they are, you know, searching the premises for guns or are really handling that situation? Yeah, it's a good point. So cooperating parents is always the best. Mm -hmm. But we've ran into this exact situation where parents are like, hey, don't talk to my kid. Right. Call the attorney. Don't come to my house. You're not going in. Well, guess what we do? The kid's not allowed to come back to school. Mm -hmm. The kid needs to go through several layers of reassurance, counseling, signed off before that kid can go back to school. So never would we have a situation where if we had a threat that the parent would come in, and I like to think we would never have that, right? Maybe, mm -hmm. I'd never say never, but where a kid is going to be potential a potential threat and the parents come in and say, no, send them back to class and the school wants them out of school. In that case, we would just say, no, the kid has to clear some hurdles before you can get right. back to school. Now, does the kid have to go through all of that if the parents are cooperative as well? Well, if the parents are cooperative, what we would do, and this exact scenario has happened several times when I was in administrative capacity overseeing the schools as in security. We've had kids and parents that cooperate, right? We go to the house, we locate the weapon, or we don't locate the weapon. We have a, a game plan for that kid prior to them coming to school. It's probably not going to be in the next week. Mm -hmm. It's probably not going to be the next two weeks. It might not even be the next three weeks. Oh, okay. That kid is not going to be able to come to school immediately because of that threat. Until we feel that we have exhausted all means and we feel that that kid has been kind of given the green light by professionals to mm -hmm. come back to school, then we'll do it. In this case, they, they sent the kid... Um, back to class, and they told his parents that he needed to get counseling within 48 hours. Well, a lot can happen in 48 hours, as we know. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you said that they had this uh, school board meeting where they changed policy, and part of that, it wasn't just in response to the incident, to the, the shootings. They then had a threat after that as well that somebody had, uh, you know, threatened to, I, I didn't even read the details of what it was. I just saw the posting of, um, you know, somebody saying that they, they were going to do something else in the school. So they had to call off school. And I was surprised even that they had in-person classes. I, I don't know that I would want to send my child back or that I would want to go back to a building so quickly after seeing all of that. Yeah. You know, ag again, I, I never like to play armchair quarterback or Monday morning right. armchair quarterback. And we right? don't know all the details. And I don't know all the details, but what I have been given to me, it's it's kind of scary. So they they had drawings. They had mm -hmm. information 
the previous two weeks up till the day this kid was involved. And they kind of brought this kid to the office and kind of talked to the parents. Parents weren't cooperative. And there was really no, there was really no teeth to anything. Well, and you had kids talking about it, talking about this being a threat. It, that yeah. was a rumor. And the school told them, stop talking about it. You know, we don't want to be hysterical here and let's not gossip. So everyone was aware that this was a problem and it was not taken seriously. Yeah. And I think the parents in this one, and, and to go back to your, your point on the school board, they did meet because they had other situations. Mm-hmm. They've changed some rules. They're not, no longer allowed to have backpacks in on campus. So they're looking at ways to have clear backpacks. Even in some of our schools in Collier County, we went away from lockers, we went away from backpacks, things like that. Kids are actually carrying their books. Um, those little things do help, but it's almost impossible to keep a weapon out of, off, off campus. Our best information for our law enforcement is intelligence, information that kids, like you said, kids have been talking about this. You've been able to identify a kid that's going to be very dangerous to your school. We we need to make sure we keep him sidelined. Right. You know, it's just and the way it is. Get him some help. Get, Isolate get, yeah. him and get him yeah. some help because otherwise he just turns into an adult that is going to do it in a Walmart. Yeah. You know, these, no, you're right. these kids are not getting any better. Um, so do you think that a, a 15-year-old should have access to a handgun just as... When, when you say access... Like could, in his could, room on yeah, his nightstand yeah, no, in this situation. No, I, I would say I would say because when I when I grew up, I had we I'm from Maine, right? Mm-hmm. But he's from Michigan, right? We had a we had a basically it was a, a showcase for rifles and we had our, our handguns underneath. Mm-hmm. My dad really never locked it up. Okay, but a kid that shows some sort of problem number one i how we why his parents thought this is a good idea to get this kid a gun it's beyond me right Mm -hmm. but somebody who's showing some tendencies i I would clear the whole house from guns you know what i'm saying there's kids that you take them from early on you take them out hunting turkey hunting deer hunting whatever those kids hopefully i'm not saying it's 100 percent, but hopefully they have respect for the weapon and the firearm and they've been taught up through those ages I don't think, I don't think them having access or being able to access something because really, reality is it's a key somewhere, and you put it somewhere you think it's hidden. Well, your kid's probably going to find it. Oh, so, yeah. but if you like you said, if it's on the nightstand, and you know, little Ethan's going to go take this gun to school the next day, put it in his backpack. Right. I mean, he, it just he put it on social. It's crazy. Media. Yeah, it's crazy. He took a picture of it and put it on social media. Yeah, you know, this is this is school safety one hundred and one though. When you get a tip, I mean, even. Even when I was in high school myself, right, we, we knew that the principal knew or the dean of students knew there was going to be a fight at a particular location after school. You'd go out there and guess who was there? Your school administration was there to make sure it didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, that's 101. You've got, you've got to intervene. And if you don't intervene, obviously the results are like this. And, and like I said, in, in Collier County Schools, um, Dr. Patton uh, worked so close with Chief Weschler, Naples PD, uh, Kevin Rambosk at the Sheriff's Office. And I know Carmine Marcino, Sheriff Marcino does the exact same thing. They do not tolerate any of these types of things because you just never know. You never know. So what do you think about the proposal of teachers having guns and actually rewarding (laughs) teachers that have guns? Here's my thought on that. 
Um, I, I've been in law enforcement, like I said, for roughly 31 years, just retired. The key is training. The key, the number one key is training. I don't, I'm, I'm not against teachers having guns because I will tell you there's, there's teachers that have probably more gun experience than I did even as a police officer. Some of them, they might go to the range a lot. Mm -hmm. The key is having the training to be able to carry that firearm. And the other problem I have is just when you, when you introduce a gun into a school, it's just another threat that if it gets in the wrong hands, it could be a problem, but really it's the training. If you have somebody who's trained because everybody thinks, you know, it's kind of funny. You're a police officer. Like you, these guys are like the best shooters in the world. Well, trust me, they're not the best shooters. Because they're not shooting. Yeah, even police officers, right? We're only as good as what we train. We go out to the range, we train, we we shoot. I'm decent because I enjoy it, but I'm not like the best. There's people, there's civilians that are much better shooters than I am. But how do you determine as law enforcement, you have a, a threat, a teacher maybe takes down that threat, or they're just in another part of the building. You encounter somebody with a gun. How do you know that they are a teacher it's tough. and not the threat? Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. You know, there's a lot of things out there that that supposedly could prevent an accidental shooting that way. Like, put your ball cap on. You might have an orange cap. Well, right. you're scrambling. You know, how, how you gonna? I'm having my gun. I'm not looking yeah, for my Yeah, hat. who's Johnny gonna? Because we've talked about that. Are they gonna? Maybe they put their vest on, you know, and then go yeah, after no. the guy. It usually doesn't happen that way. It's not right. a perfect scenario. Yeah, that, I mean, that would be my you know, thing more so than what's the judgment or the training of the teachers, yeah. because those things can be, you know, looked at. Yeah. It's in the in the moment if they do have to pull a gun. Yeah. What stops them from them becoming the target? And I would be afraid as a teacher to get involved and then, you know, I guess you drop your gun when police come in, but I, I don't know. Sometimes it's too quick, right? Yeah. And, and the thing is, well, the police will know the teacher. No, that's not true. Right. Because I can tell you that we used to bring our officers in that worked patrol. They had been on campus, maybe drove around campus, but they didn't know where the cafeteria was versus the gym. So we forced our patrol deputies to come in and get the lay of, layout uh-huh. of the school because – Look at Baron Collier. Look at Naples High School. Look at Gulf Coast. Those schools are huge. Mm-hmm. If you don't know where the gym is versus the cafeteria and there's a school shooting and next, all we know is there's shooters in the cafeteria, you know, and then, and then the way we lock doors in, in our, on our campuses, we, we've done very, a very good job at that of just securing the door doors. Well, mm-hmm. if I'm responding as a deputy and everything's locked and the shooters inside, Right. You know, what do we do? But to answer your question, that's a, it's a really good one because the only person who's probably going to know the teacher, and if you've got 100 teachers, they might not, is going to be the SRO, but they could already be right. in battle. Right. You know, so that's those are really good questions, good things. Well, and then what happens with these false reports? Just like in Oxford, then you have kids that think, oh, well, I'll call something in or whatever. So what happens to to those kids? What's the punishment for calling in a, a fake bomb threat or, you know, creating a situation like that? Usually what happens, and it it does happen quite frequently, that if if there's a situation with a bomb threat, usually a couple cop couple copycat um bomb bomb threats come in or or like you said in, in this case the another threat of a school shooting. Mm-hmm. Usually those get investigated and the consequences are pretty stiff, so it usually stops from going too far in the yeah. most in most cases. So, in other words, the other kids see that, hey, we, I better not do that because this is you know going to be real, real problems. If 
you know, the consequences are going to be pretty bad if I, if I do it, I get caught. Is that what you're kind of yeah. wondering? So also, you know, if you're a kid going to one of these schools and you, you see these signs like these kids did with, with Ethan in, in Oxford, it, it's almost like you have to tell the kids, not just tell somebody, tell two people. Because if you tell one person, that may not be enough. You know, you better really do your follow-up. I mean, that is, is really pathetic that you have to put that into the kids' hands. But I think that we are at that place of tell a teacher and your parent. You know, tell a, the officer and a teacher. Tell at least two or three people and make sure that they're talking to each other. Because the way that it falls apart is just inexcusable. I don't know how else to approach that. I mean, do you think we should be telling kids to tell two people now? Yeah, no, I think it's a great thing because you, you're exactly right. When you tell somebody and they fail to act on it, that kid is like, well, what I told them, it doesn't matter, right? right? So right. some of them, some of the kids will tell you, well, I, I want to tell you, but I, I I don't want anybody to know it came from me. Right. Well, that's that's a relationship you build. When I was in the schools, I thought I had a pretty good relationship with the kids. Kids would tell me everything. They'd be like, hey, Depp, hey, Depp, you better watch out. There's going to be a fight down in the end end here after after lunch yeah a little little (laughs) snitches come up but that's how you i had a good relationship with the kids i mean Mm -hmm. all the kids knew when i was at the school that if you did something wrong you're going to get jammed up for it. you might even go go to jail for it right but they all knew that if you know I would treat people fairly. Right. So you were there kids to would come up. Them, yeah, I was there even to protect if you were there to protect them from each other. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. 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 But no, and, and it, just the building relationship. But to answer your question is yeah, tell tell people. The best thing you can do, and we've we've averted so many situations by intelligence information, basically mm-hmm. what the students are telling us and what teachers hear. And I believe in this case, from what I understand, the teachers have brought forth to the administration several times this kid, Ethan, was involved in a lot of this stuff. Right. And, and it, so it's if you're concerning. a teacher and you've taken this to your boss and nothing happens, I think we're going to see a lot it's of a shame. lawsuits. It's a shame. Not just yeah. uh, Jeffrey Feiger going after the $100 yeah. million. I think yeah. we're going to see a lot of different yeah. people suing anyone they can. And people say, what about those big numbers? Well, it gets your attention, doesn't it? Yeah. When you see $100 million, you're like, okay. And then to think of a, a school administration not acting and not jumping on it. From my understanding, again, I'm, I'm reading, right? Mm-hmm. I'm reading the information out there. They felt that they would handle it through school administration side versus law enforcement. Because in most schools, you have a school resource officer, sometimes two. They felt that they were handling it on the school discipline side and not getting law enforcement involved. That is a huge, huge yeah. no-no. Do you think that... You know, this is a more affluent suburb. So do you do we see that more in schools where yeah. they're like, oh, I want to protect yeah. our reputation? Stuff like that doesn't happen in this neighborhood. So we're just going to handle that internally. Yeah, no, it does happen. And I will tell you that we've really overcome a lot in the last 15 to 20 years in, in Collier County Public Schools mm-hmm. because of our administration. They, they've been ingrained to say, listen, see something, say something, right? Yeah. I need to let the deputy know. And... And to be quite honest with you, it doesn't make your school look bad because you had an incident in your school. What makes your school look bad is what happened here. Right. You have an incident and you fail to mention it. And we've had we've had sexual batteries in school. We've had fights. We've had narcotic trafficking. We've had all kinds of things. The school administration needs to let law enforcement know because by hiding it and pushing it under is, is not is not doing the right thing for your school. Right. 
Well, and we saw after 9-11, the whole see something, say something. That is how law enforcement deals with most issues, whether it's drug trafficking in neighborhoods yeah. or terrorist threats or or whatever. So, you know, if I'm a parent and I hear my kid talking with his friends about the kid that's a little off and um, and I have concerns, do I call the principal? Do I call police? Who, who do I call? That's a great question. I would do the twofold test. Mm -hmm. Okay. Twofold tell test. Two people. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So tell two people. And I think it's a great idea. You tell the, the school administration, but mm -hmm. definitely make sure law enforcement knows about it as well. Yeah. Because what you don't want is you don't want it to be up to the administration and then in a vacuum and they don't want to report written or be on the news. But to, to me, I'm a, I think I think a, a principal that brings it to the attention of law enforcement is a hero. And if it makes the news, yeah, it's it's a little black eye on your school. But ultimately, you did the right thing. You know, you did something that probably saved people's lives. In this case, in Oxford, I mean, they send the kid back to class because his parents said, no, we don't want him to go home. Oh, I mean, how can you do right. that? Those parents should have never have had that much control, especially knowing that they were terrible parents. Yeah. You know, this is a kid that is not doing well in life. And so we're going to let these parents continue to run the show. Yeah. Makes no sense. And, and I think a teacher overlooked the text, right? It was, it was a pretty graphic yeah. text. And and uh, I think the mother wrote back or or she, a teacher, I believe, oversaw writing, and then the mother texted the kid later in the day and said, "LOL, I'm not mad at you. Just you, you just you got to do it and not get caught. Yeah, you have to learn how to not get caught. Yeah. He, he was looking for ammunition. Yeah, that's, uh, he was yeah. he was searching for ammunition, and the teacher Online, was right? yeah was concerned. And you know, this isn't just some people may say, well, yeah, I buy ammunition. What's the big deal? Um, he's in class, he's in school, and he's not focusing on 15 what he, years old. Yeah, he's not focusing on what he's supposed to be focusing on. He's super focused on ammunition. So that is a big red flag in and of itself. Yeah. Well, just think about you got Madison Baldwin, Tate Meyer, Hannah Julie, uh, Hannah St. Juliana, Justin Schilling, and the seven other injured. How would you like to be the the feeling that, that those parents have knowing that we could have prevented this at some mm -hmm. point, some step along the way. Well, and all of these things can be prevented, uh, you know, whether it is a, a school shooting or, um, you know, these Walmart shootings or whatever. And it really does come down to see something, say something. And I hate that as a libertarian and a rebel. I, I hate the thought of, of people being snitches, um, you know, and involved in other people's lives. But there's a difference between, you know, telling everybody somebody's business and, and really being concerned about the safety of, of people around you and being responsible for that and taking it to the right people to deal with it. Yeah. And the reality is, I mean, very few of these incidents go without somebody mentioning it prior, right, whether it be the right. suspect. I mean, there are some of these that probably there's not a whole lot you could do, I, I could see some guy living in a house and a hermit go and shoot up the place, never told anybody, but that's usually not the case. Normally somebody has mentioned it. Somebody has talked about it. Mm -hmm. uh, Virginia tech, for example, that, that kid had been going around to two or three different counselors. The counselors never talked right. about it. And sure enough, the kid went and did it. And then after, after the fact, they pieced it together. You know, it's like, that's, that's, there's just too much tragedy, too much life's lost. But these counselors do have so much to deal with. They're not really talking to kids like we think they are, like they are in the movies. Uh, so we do have a total breakdown in the system, and I don't really know how to fix that other than really going back to, to better parents.
Yeah. No, people have to start raising their kids. Yeah. Ultimately, James and Jennifer Crumley were in a different world, and it's it's a shame. Yeah. And, you and know, it's just it's like, terrible. Like and they hit out. Yeah. Yeah. They hit out when the, yeah. the and then cried and, yeah. oh, no, our lives yeah. are now ruined. Yeah. No, it's 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 a terrible thing. Um, we'll wrap it up here. But what do you what do you think about gun control? I'd like to talk about that. Just Not controversial real, real, at all. Yeah. Uh, no. I mean, that's a whole nother, you know, yeah. topic. But no, real, in, a, in a nutshell, I, I don't think that gun control works. I think that um, Education on gun safety works. You know, criminals are going to buy guns that don't have serial numbers on them, and uh, that's just how it is. And so I I appreciate the fact that I have the right to carry a firearm, that I have the right to have a gun in my home and protect myself. I do have my concealed carry. I, I do carry most of the time. Um, you know, you might catch me on a good day when I, I'm not packing heat. But, oh, I got Nerf gun. Yeah. Uh, but really, it you know, to me, it is something that I never thought I I would need. You know, I thought, oh, who really needs to carry a gun? But then I had a stalker, and I became that person that needed to carry a gun. So, um, so I I think that you know, gun control is not going to control people. The problem is always the people and not the things. And I I don't know how I feel though about the you know the automatic weapon. Uh, you know, that whole discussion. I, I just think it's usually complete idiots that, that get their hands on those things and they are irresponsible and it can just do so much damage. It, you know, it's, it's almost like having a, a, a pit bull that is not trained well. Pit bulls are beautiful, wonderful dogs. They do not have temperament issues just intrinsically, but if they're raised by an asshole, they're going to do a lot of damage. So it, it's who has their hands on that thing that they shouldn't. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you know, I'm a big gun guy. I've had guns all my life. I, I think it comes, like you said, it comes back to education, what you do with a gun. I think it's, it's a gun has to be held sacredly, right? Mm-hmm. I think if you have a gun in your house, like I've always had, things have been locked up, okay, it's been secured because a situation like this is, is you know, Fortunately, becoming a little bit too too much, you know. What about toy guns? I didn't let Joe have toy guns when he was younger because we did have a gun in the house, and his relatives thought that was ridiculous and kept, you know, yeah, no, kept I'm trying I'm, to give him a toy gun. But I I just thought that was inviting problems. Yeah, my mother's the same way. She, my mother, when when we were young kids, she never let us have play guns. She never really? bought us play guns. I don't think she would, I don't think she would, yeah, I don't think she would have yelled at me if I had, but we used to run around with sticks or whatever. Yeah, I was just going to say, you're going to pick up a stick or or whatever, use your finger. But my grandfather told me when I was like, I don't know, I was probably five years old before I can even, he goes, you never point a gun at something you don't intend to kill. Right. I mean, that's a very basic rule, right? Right. So that kind of covers it, but, you know, again, accidents can happen. I think easy access to, to something like this. Yeah. Obviously, and in this case, whether yeah. that's video games, yeah. movies, just bad parenting, yeah. we don't glamorize guns. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Well, let's let's shoot that one on. <laughs> no pun intended. Let's shoot that one on the uh, on the next or one of the next podcasts on an upcoming Gun podcast. Control. Gun control. Yeah. And so many loopholes. The people that really want guns are they're going to get them. Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how to to go about that. I'll research it for the next podcast. I'll have smart things. Or, or, or one of the upcoming ones. Yeah. yeah. So what did we what did we really get out of today? Because you are an expert in this, in um, the officers, the 
uh, resource officers at the school and how to hopefully prevent situations like this. So is it really just see something, say something? Well, I think that's that, right? And I, and I really want the parents to know that and, and we are special here in the 239, right? I want parents we're very to, blessed. Yeah, yeah, we're blessed. I want parents to know that they can have great comfort knowing that our law enforcement folks are on top of this. Not saying it could never happen here because I would mm-hmm. never do that. But we are so fortunate that our law enforcement is way, we've been, we've been way progressive on this issue for the last 20 years that I can remember. And also I know our counterparts in Lee County, Naples PD, Marco Island, anytime we, anytime we have that threat, we, we handle it. it. It's everything else goes on the wayside and we handle that. So I want parents to understand that's very important. If you see something, say something, let people know, make sure if you have firearms in your house, access to you know know who's coming over to your house like if your daughter has friends and and things like that do an inventory right good point because your kid may be educated but they're they're friends exactly we we run into that all the time a lot of guns get stolen with a daughter family goes out of town daughter has a party Mm. or friends come over next thing you know we're missing 20 guns that's scary yeah that's scary And, and i'm just using that as a scenario it could be you know your your son's friends that come over it could be right. could be anybody but again I, th- I think we're very well advanced or we're way out in front of it here in our county i'm proud we live in a county like this um but again vigilance always got to be vigilant yeah we, we are the example and i'm very grateful for that but yeah. we do have to stay vigilant unfortunately yeah. but oh. thank you for the work that you've done to to keep us safe yeah we're very fortunate and it's it's a passion to me. I kind of get fired up about it. So yeah. it's a topic that I really want to, you know, go into a little bit more. It's unfortunate these situations come up. The only good thing is maybe we we can we can every time we have something like this, we learn more and we 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 tighten down more. But yeah. Yeah, we we are the example and hopefully we'll see change uh come from this tragedy. And no more. My goodness, no more. No more, no more. All right, 239 Uncensored, everything Southwest Florida. Thank you for listening. And make sure to go to our Facebook page. We're on Spotify. We're on Google. We're on Apple Podcasts. Get our podcast. We got, we talk about everything, so we have a good time. And uh, we also are live usually on Fridays and Mondays and every every now and then here and there. So and 2022 is going to be a good year. We're going to be talking about some cool stuff. And we are, we are out. out. Please make sure to download and listen to us on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcast. And don't forget to like and share on social media. This has been a Studio 239 production. That was fun.